Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey sports fans, welcome to the newest episode of Champions of Change, where each week we spotlight the women and non-binary people making a difference in the sports world, both on and off the field. Every Friday, hear how athletes, marketers, creators, executives, and more are breaking down barriers and changing the game forever. I'm your host, Molly Cahoyne, Adweek Senior TV Reporter, where I cover sports media, streaming, connected TV, and measurement. This week, it's less sports for me and more TV since we're in the middle of upfronts and the writer's strike. There's been picketers at each event, and Netflix actually moved to a virtual-only presentation, which they could do since they own the venue they plan to present at. But on the sports side, and I have been waiting months to say this, happy WNBA season, everybody. I will be at the Liberty's home opener next week. If you're there and see me, come say hi, or at any other Liberty game, plus a few Sky games. And speaking of the WNBA, there is a brand new app and website that launched on Tuesday. It's absolutely gorgeous. I talked with the development and digital teams of the league about how it all came together in partnership with Deloitte, and you can check out that coverage on Adweek's website. But today, I am here with Jessica Robertson, co-founder and chief content officer of one of the fastest growing women's sports brands on the internet. Together is a lifestyle platform that specifically targets Gen Z and millennial women, and is one of the big names behind the rapidly growing coverage in women's sports. So you might recognize some of the other co-founding names too. It's just some international stars like Alex Morgan, Chloe Kim, Simone Manuel, and Sue Bird. But before launching together in 2021, Jess was head of content at the Players' Tribune, and she's also had roles at The Fader and MTV. So Jess, thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, and you are actually, it's your birthday week, right? You're in Barcelona? I'm in Barcelona because I don't plan anything ever, and I decided um, it's my 40th birthday and I should do something special for myself. So I flew out two days ago, and I'm here literally just for four days to ring in my 40th birthday, and I can't believe I'm saying 40 out loud. It feels <laughs> surreal to me. Um, and then I'll go back home, and I'm you know on the conference tour. I love that energy, and I hope you have the best time. And thanks for making the time for this. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so I want to talk about how you co-founded together. So that launched in 2021. So we all know that less than 5% of sports coverage goes towards women's sports. So there's obviously a need. But how did this all come together? I got a call from Alex Morgan in 2019. And we had several conversations. But the first one was sort of an acknowledgement that she 
was kind of on the back nine of her career. And as all great players at that stage in their playing career do, she's thinking about legacy. Um, She's also thinking about what has, and more importantly, what hasn't existed for like her own teammates, for herself, for the women that she competes against every single day, but more importantly, for the next generation that's coming up. And as Alex is wont to do, um, she wanted to challenge the system that we know and that vicious cycle in women's sports that we know to be true, which you mm-hmm. said less than 5% of media coverage is dedicated to that of women's sports. So she wanted to build a brand that increased visibility and was dedicated to telling women's stories, female athlete stories every single day, 24-7, 365, not just around a World Cup year, which she was going into, or around an Olympic year where we typically see swells of investment from mm-hmm. a brand standpoint, from a visibility standpoint. She wanted to, this to be sort of a see it, be it brand that was sustained every single day. And for me, that was incredibly exciting. I had been at the Players' Tribune telling athlete stories for several years. I worked largely with female athletes individually through my own creative work there. And I love a challenge. I've also, I was, an, I was an athlete myself, so I, I really understand that experience. I'll be at a different level than her. And it was really important for us as we built the brand and talked through what it stood for, what its values were, what white space it entered into, was that if it was going to be a see it, be it brand, it was intentionally diverse and intersectional. And Alex also understood that this could not be just about her. This is about the broader women's sports space and these um, women who've been through myriad experiences at different levels. So she understood the power of a collective in founding this, which is where Sue, Chloe, and Simone come in for all of their shared greatness. I mean, they're four of the greatest athletes in the entire world. I don't have to say female in front of the word (laughs) athlete for that to be true. They have very different lived experiences and very different POVs and their DNA is completely infused in this brand. And I think the brand is stronger for it, given um, how different each of them are and understanding the space that we wanted to create for the communities that they represent. And I joke that they're like our Avengers (laughs) or or like (laughs) Rushmore. It's just, it's, um, it's, it was an incredible ask. um, And, I think amazing vision that Alex had at that time. Um, And my biggest fear when we were working on this because of that vicious cycle was, will anyone care? And which is so embarrassing to say out loud, but um, I could not be more wildly wrong about that. First of all, I don't think that's embarrassing to say out loud because look at where we are now. It's 2023, but in 2019, the World Cup hadn't happened yet, right? Mm -hmm. People still very much cared about women's sports, but it was more... I don't want to say niche because it's not niche, but it wasn't getting the widespread coverage and attention it's getting now. Because 2019, you're going into the World Cup, that, and obviously the US won. We didn't know it was going to happen, but that exploded soccer in a way I haven't seen since the 99 World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in 2020, you had the WNBA and the NWSL absolutely take off. We're talking like 400% ratings increases. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't think that's wild to say or embarrassing to say that you didn't know if people would care. And you got in before it all happened. So you were you were there at the right time. Yeah. And I also think you mentioned 2020. We were initially going to launch right at, before those Olympics um, in June or July. And mm-hmm. 
because of the pandemic, everything was pushed back. And there were questions about like, how will sports survive? What's going to happen? And then there's like a lot of fragility going on. But at the same time, I think in a lot of beautiful ways, there were a lot of cultural reckonings that were happening at the time that actually created sort of a perfect environment for a brand like Together to launch into. So in a way, that delay between 2019, those first conversations and 2021, I think was better for us because the cultural environment had also changed. There were conversations that were taking place that hadn't taken place really at scale large in the open. Um, And to your point, the U.S. won that World Cup. The WNBA was like one of the first leagues to return and play a full season, if not the first. Um, Uh, NWSL was actually the first. Right. That's correct. That's correct. So you had women's sports given a platform that typically they don't receive. And I mean, these, we know this, these women are incredible athletes. They're not a cause, they're not a charity. They move our culture forward and culture was changing at the time. And I think it created the perfect environment for us to launch. Yeah. And that's something I talk about a lot and something people ask me about a lot, like, especially after this basketball season, um, the college season, when did this happen and how did it happen? Why are we just hearing about all this now? I'm like, well, there's a lot of complicated reasons for that. But honestly, and I don't ever want to say the pandemic was a good thing, but women's sports really did benefit from it. NWSL was the first league to come back, National Women's Soccer League. So after winning the World Cup, you have Alex Morgan on the field again, right? Um, only live sports happening at the time. Then a month later, the WNBA comes back. That explodes too. And it's you turn on TV and all of a sudden on CBS, on ABC, there's women's sports that you might not have seen before. So I love what you say about how these conversations were happening that might not have happened before. And it honestly created kind of the perfect storm for a brand like Together to launch, especially with the powerhouse names and chief content officer behind it. It's It's also the gatekeepers are changing. The decision makers are changing. There's a generation coming up that only knows, you know, equality and, you know, equity to be the norm. And they're they're not sort of asking for permission. And I think that changing of decision making guard, albeit a lot more needs to change, mm-hmm. either from a brand investment standpoint or from a storytelling visibility standpoint, um, even ownership standpoint, I think that plus women's sports being sort of on prime time, accessible, right? Accessibility has changed um, to your point created, has created what we feel right now, which is a movement, not a moment. And I think that's also the big question is like, I, you know, I get asked this all the time. Like, do you think this sustains itself? Like what happens in the next five years? What happens after the Paris Olympics? Like, is this actually sort of a sea change or is this just like what we saw in 96, right? <laughs> Which was like a, an incredible launching pad and probably one of the most important like years in women's sports history. But then we see these like ebbs and flows and deep sort of um, deltas of investment. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this time feels different. It feels like there's a cascade happening. I would agree with you. And I love movement, not a moment. Um, Cause I mean, but you're right though, after 96 and 99, you watched two domestic soccer leagues fail. And how did that happen after the 99 world cup with Brandy Chastain? Like that photo of her ripping her or not ripping of her, like throwing her shirt off, like incredible. But I think you're right though. Like we're in, I think the 11th season of the NWSL and it's going to expand. It already, it's adding two teams next year. It's adding two more by 26. It's incredible. Uh, WNBA entering its 27th season literally this week. And 
the explosion, I think, in college sports too, moving that over into pro. So I'm, I'm, I'm now just chatting. But no, I think it's sustainable. It's sustainable. And it's, I mean, especially this younger generation, you mentioned like the sort of growth in collegiate athletes and the platforms that these female athletes have. What was it like seven out of the top 10 NIL athletes happen to be women? Here's the thing, like women sports fans in particular have had to be digitally native. Like they've had to go and seek and find because it wasn't made accessible to them. These young women who are coming up behind this generation know how to create their own platforms, know how to build things for themselves, know how to connect directly with fans, know how to build themselves as brands, know how to make money off of that. I think that, I mean, there's complications and challenges there. Mm -hmm. And women's sports is still sort of ground zero for every ism we know to be true in culture, which is still like a long way to go. But I think the perception for so long was that women's sports was behind. And I, I fully believe that culture is just now catching up. Women's sports has been ahead and everyone else is just realizing it. You're right. And that's why a brand like Together and a digitally native platform. I was actually, I was at the Gotham Orlando game on Sunday. Um, team hosted me. Thank you, Gotham. It was lovely. Uh, but they have hired someone, in, someone doing just a few hours a week freelance, but she's a social media influencer. And she wasn't really aware of the league. And she told me that one of the like first thing she discovered was how big these athletes' followings are. Like think about like Christy Mewis's TikTok, like like Sydney Larue, like it's it's incredible. And so with a brand like Together, how are you kind of capturing the digitally native audiences? How are you attracting them? How are you making them aware of what you guys are doing? Because it's really incredible work. I appreciate that. I think we're very strategic in what we make and how we make it by platform. We understand that what you create and publish on TikTok and the way you entertain an audience on that platform is very different maybe from Instagram, which is very different from YouTube. We're very, very mindful. We have, I would say, three lanes of content that we're focused on every day, but the first one is that sort of like social fire hose. Um, one, I think we built a brand that people can see themselves reflected back in it. I think people want to commune with the brand and relate with the brand and talk to the brand. I mean, people are in our DMs constantly or in our comments or tweeting at us or emailing us who one, they just want to know us, which is really incredible and speaks to the team that we built on just these incredible co-founders, but they'll want us to like fix an injustice that they see somewhere in the world, or they want to like uplift an incredibly powerful story about another woman who's doing amazing things in culture or sport, um, which, you know, we've built a community now of over 3 million plus all like all organic. That's not any paid. We're the fastest growing women's sports brand on social with the largest women's sports brand on TikTok. We are very strategic in what we are publishing and more importantly, understanding like how to sort of commune and create conversation with our own audience. And I think they can see that and they feel that and they appreciate it. I also think the brand is very genuine and authentic and real. And I, especially again, I, I, I would say follow the babies like Gen Z, Gen Alpha. Like <laughs> they want their brands to stand for something. There is no neutral anymore. And they appreciate, I think, that together is not afraid to say the hard thing or advocate for mm -hmm. the right thing. Um, and more importantly, celebrate and pull in from the margins these women that have been sort of like shut out for so long. And um, it's it's been really gratifying to see. We We sort of joked when we were building the brand, if we created something resonant enough and got, like got the branding right someone would maybe tattoo our logo on their arm because they felt like it was for them 
And then mm-hmm. went there for six months, one of our community members got a tattoo of our logo on her forearm, which is like wild, wild. Within story. six months? Within six months, yeah. Talk about brand power. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's been amazing. It's, it's amazing. The question, again, for so long was like, who will our audience be? Who are we trying to reach? And now the question I ask myself all the time or our team ask is, who are we to them? Like that, that to me really matters. And you learn a lot. Like we, we, the strategic sort of like creating and making is largely based on what we're seeing resonate and and maybe not resonate and like what, what they want us to be for them, um, which just sort of fuels that growth. I love that approach. Who are we to them? And it's clear you guys do know your audience and they know you too. And I also love what you said about um, Gen Z and Gen Alpha just wanting the authentic approach. They see through the bullshit. Like, they truly do. It's, they have no patience you know, for it. We, I have, Sue and I talk about this a lot. And she was using sort of the negotiation of a CBA as an example a couple of years ago. Like, even her generation, which doesn't feel that far removed. I mean, she just retired playing. She's, it's still her generation. Um, her generation of you know, sort of teammates and um, fellow players, they were, she she will say this in the room, like they were just grateful to, they would just say yes. They were like grateful to have the opportunity and there wasn't a lot of challenge. And, and I wouldn't say not because they didn't want to challenge it. I just think they knew how, or there was sort mm-hmm. of a social norm of acceptance that they they felt all the time. And that is not true at all with the generation behind her. They're, I mean, again, they don't seek permission. They're and if it doesn't exist, they're going to go build it themselves, which you is, know they deserve to be there. Exactly, exactly. That's there's this empowered nature, which is really contagious, and I think it's empowering other generations, older generations, challenging the status quo, like challenging social norms and constructs, blowing everything up and rebuilding it where it's sort of right sized for everybody. And again, that's that's why a brand like Together can be successful. I would agree with that. And I also love your thoughts around the generations because as I'm as my wheels are turning as you're speaking, the way I'm kind of looking at it now is I see three generations. You have the Billie Jean King era uh, who grew up without Title IX, right? And like kind of created it. We're also, we're coming up on the 50th anniversary of Battle of the Sexes, by the way, which is incredible to think about. Um, I just watched um, the movie Air and they were talking about like they had the clip of like Arthur Ashe with the tennis racket and the branding. And I was like, oh, wait, wait, this is 50 years. So you've got that generation that didn't have Title IX. Then you have the generation that like was just coming up on Title IX. So that's something I think about in terms of like um, like a like a Andrea Brimmer, who was with Ally, who was one of the first like first soccer player at Michigan that was able to take advantage of Title IX. Right. Um, at Michigan State, I am so sorry, Andrea. Um, but then you've got the current generation that doesn't know any different. So I'm, it makes me think about, I was at the Final Four uh, with NCAA, and I know you were as well, and we we're going to talk about that too. But I'm in the press room after uh, LSU wins, right? And Angel Reese, who I adore, by the way, I will take no criticism. I know you're not going to give any, but I will take no criticism on loving Angel Reese. So we're waiting for LSU for a while, who's obviously been celebrating their they just won the Natty, like obviously. And then all of a sudden we hear a big clang and Angel comes in wearing a crown, holding the trophy and goes, champions coming through, look out. And like sits down, plops the trophy on the desk and goes, what's up? And it's just, I love the confidence. And I, you see that across all of these sports right now, right? Like 
I'm so excited for the softball tournament to start, by the way, NCAA Northwestern, just first time in school history. I talk about Northwestern all the time. I'm so annoying, but I'm going to say it's endearing. Uh, but first time in school history, won the Big Ten, won the Big Ten cha- um, tournament as well. Never never swept it, but just had the, uh, had the selection. Anyways, I'm now rambling. But you see it across all sports, right? Like volleyball, gymnastics, everything. It's incredible. I don't even know if I have a point. I'm just excited about it. It's it is. I see your point about the generations, and I I do like I look at someone like Angel Reese who is real. Like I I don't even like using the word authentic sometimes because that feels like it's used too often. It's it definitely um, is. I think this generation or the younger generations are just. Can I curse on this podcast? I already said bullshit. Go for it. I have a stronger one. I think they're just like do it. That that's not that hasn't worked. Like whatever you guys have built is not working. So. We're not going to, no, we're not going to participate. We're not going to fall in line. We're not going to be grateful. We're not going to do any of those things unless gratitude is warranted, obviously. But like just showing up and being real and owning who you are, owning your growth, like owning maybe the sort of lesser parts of yourself that you're working. Like who, who cares? Who cares? No one cares. And maybe it's funny because like turning 40, there's, you know, I was talking about this with some of my friends, like there's just sort of like stuff that falls off you now. Like you, I don't stress much really because there's enough life experience where I like, no, it's just going to work out and it'll be okay. But I remember being Angel Reese's age, like what she's doing and what she represents and what she's accomplished at her age versus like the hot mess I was in college and like the insecurities and like, you know, that sort of like fraud syndrome that you get like it, it's just, yeah the imposter syndrome so oh real. my gosh and it's exhausting it's so exhausting what's not exhausting is just owning who you are it's actually really energizing um and I love that about this generation that again and we benefit from it too and and yeah, it's so- also crazy like title nine is 50 years old we're coming up on 50 years battle of the sexes just and hopefully I'm around to see it but like in the next 50 years just think it's it's only been a couple of generations we're not that far deep i have chills <laughs> and it's, i want to be 90 like seeing what happened in the women's sports space i'm still going to be at the final four every year when i'm 90 i'm just saying that um but i love that idea because i think as you're saying that um it's not a trickle down effect, right? It's a trickle up effect. Mm-hmm. It's the younger generation and what they're doing is now and you mentioned that like with how sue and that generation too I say that generation like she's old. She's not. She's my but, well, well, Diana Taurasi signing, older than Sue, signing a two-year Supermax deal. That girl, she's you're going to drag her off the court. She's not going anywhere. Uh, but it's a trickle-up effect, right? It's empowering the people that didn't necessarily – like the people that felt like they were just happy to be there. Exactly. Um, you have someone like Andrea Brimmer who's, you know, was a benefactor of Title IX who's now in a massive decision-making seat. Like going back to decision makers, those seats are changing. Who's sitting in them is changing. Of course, she's going to invest back in this space. Of course, she's doing. She's. And I mean, her what she's doing is truly incredible, and I think more brands should follow suit. Yeah, and Ally sponsors this podcast, but that's I'm. I love that they sponsor because it's genuine. So when I talk about Ally a lot and I bring it up in conversation, so for people listening, like I'm not getting paid to do this. Like they sponsor it regardless. Ally is doing really incredible work, and I'm seeing other brands follow suit. But on that note, because they do sponsor, we are going to take a quick ad break. We'll be right back. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome back. Still here with Jess Robertson from Together. Um, Jess, we brought up the final four. I have a lot I want to talk to you about still, but you and I were both there. Um, but together, and it's just two years of existence, four years of conception, has already partnered with some major brands. And you and I have chatted offline about like the partnership with Buick, but that was a big presence at the final four. So when you're looking at brand partnerships, what's important to you and how are you, I'm not, I don't want to say convincing because there shouldn't need to be convincing, but how are you partnering with brands and how are you kind of showing them the value of what you guys are doing? It's a great question. And the answer is it depends on the brand. But the things that we look for first and foremost are, is this authentic? Is this genuine? Like, are you truly wanting to invest in this space for the right reasons? Are you mm-hmm. looking at how you're activating maybe in the men's space, if that's where you also activate? And is this equitable? Is this comparable? What more can we do? We're looking for lasting partnerships and relationships. You mentioned the two professional soccer leagues in the States that folded after a couple of years, it's like, okay, well, when things get hard, are you going to stay in this? Like, are you, are you really about it? Because we're really about it. And we know that we can impact really culture through this. So that's, that's what we're looking for is for partners who say that thing, but also like actually back it up with their actions. Buick is one of those. Um, They've been a partner of ours for a couple of years now. And I remember the early conversations we had with them um, was following, we couldn't call it March Madness. <laughs> it was an NCAA women's tournament just a couple Isn't of years. Isn't that wild? This couldn't is only the second it. year you could actually use March Madness. This so is for those my- listening, it was literally, it was March Madness was men's and then it was women's final four tournament. It's Again, I go back to like decision making. Like that was the easiest thing to like right size. Like you don't like it. anyway. Um, wild to me. Like reinforcing, you know, sports is through a male prism, uh, which is not the case at all. Um, branding matters. Like that matters. But anyway, so it was 2021. We had just launched together, and Sedona Prince showed the inequities in the weight room. And I think again, power visibility. Like Sedona made that inequity highly visible like she was one tiktok literally changed everything for women's basketball yes and i mean also like the sort of nerves i know that she had to do that first and then like sort of like the swell of attention and media that came after that and sort of like having to also play basketball and like focus on basketball at the same time is crazy but 
um, Buick reached out to us because we were covering this as a sort of story and like bringing in collegiate athletes to talk about what they were experiencing on the ground. And we were talking to former NCAA players who had similar experiences. And it was just a massive conversation around inequity. And the answer to like, well, what can people do to change the space? Like our answer was cut the check, like just invest <laughs> in women. Like it's that easy. You know, it's not a, it's not a hard answer. Um, and Buick reached out to us because they were an NCAA partner and they did act significantly on the men's side, but realized that there was more work to do on the women's side and asked us like, well, what can we actually do? And it was, it's been an amazing two year plus partnership where we're activating at every NCAA women's championship or having original content, real conversations with fans, actually connecting with the community members on the ground actually providing a see it be it moment with the see her greatness campaign doing I love that campaign. Uh, it's it's amazing doing watch parties at the sports broad uh portland because like why would you not do that and then one of the biggest women's tournaments uh of the year um can i say that watch party at the sports bra i was so i was like i was at the tournament and i was like wait a minute i kind of want to be in portland <laughs> it was such an incredible experience i mean it, it doesn't happen without Buick showing up and really investing in that space. Also, Jenny from the sports bra is amazing and has already built like an incredible community there. But, and this is, I say, I say this all the time. This is not a build it and they will come space. This is make it available. They're already here. Like you're not, you don't have to convince a lot of people to come to a cool bar in Portland and watch some dope women's basketball. Like you don't have to do it. You just have to decide to do it. Like, and they'll, they'll show up. They're already there. They want it. So that incredible you know partnership with Buick we also have a number of sort of global blue chip partner brands like this goes back to my sort of question in 2019 of like will anyone care like anyone wasn't like are there enough women sports fans to like justify a business it was well brands actually show up and invest in the space because that's how media organizations drive Mm -hmm. a significant part of their revenue let alone like you know grow the space overall so the fact that in year one, we doubled our revenue target. Year two, we doubled. We're on track to triple our target in 23, largely through branded revenue because brands are coming to us saying, we want authentic stories. We want to invest in women. We realize this is a good business decision. We also want to reach your audience. It's primarily 18 to 35, mostly female identifying. It's a powerful demographic to reach. We, we also want to have some impact in this world. What can we do? The answer is a tell stories and and invest. And it's been really incredible to see. And I say that not to brag about like the success of Together and more to sort of- Please brag about it though. Well, I mean, I'm going to do that every day, but (laughs) it's bragging about that. Yes. But it's also just acknowledging and sort of being grateful that brands are showing up and actually investing in the space because it's good for the women who are in this space, not just good for my brand. Yeah. And I love what you say about how the women sports fans, we're already here. And I say something similar. Uh, I, I obviously don't have my own media company, but I when I, when people ask me why I care so much about women's sports and why I advocate so much for getting people involved, it's because I'm here. There's so many of us here. I want everyone else to meet me where we already are, and like I want to know. I want to show that we have been here and we have been doing the work when everyone else arrives because it's coming. Like we're already on a wave. We're on a crescendo. It's on its way. And it's brands like Together and other media platforms and 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 brands like Buick and Ally getting who know and Aflac like who know and are there. I 
my listeners are going to get so sick of me because I get on my soapbox about this a lot. Um, well, we'll see what happened in – this isn't from a brand perspective, but the WNBA game in Toronto, I mean, the merch was sold out by halftime. Like everything was gone. Everything was taken. And it's just like, again, if you just make it available, people will watch, they will engage, they will share, they will consume, they'll buy the tickets, they'll show up. A preseason game in Toronto, first time WNBA was in Canada, by the way, completely sold out, literally no impact on the season. But that thing looked like an NBA final from the footage I saw. I'm really jealous I wasn't there, especially because my hometown team, Chicago Sky, was playing. But I'll be at Sky Games, no worries. But yeah, exactly. And like I was at the Sky 2021 championship when they won, and they still play at DePaul's – like they play at DePaul. Which understand relationship with United with the Bulls. They're not because the, the Sky and the Bulls aren't affiliated. But I'm going to the Sky Liberty game on June 2nd um, in Chicago. And my colleague was asking me, well, they've obviously upgraded that venue, right? And I was like, no, they didn't upgrade it for the All Star game. They didn't upgrade it for the championship. It's sold out. Like, anyway, that's why I love what organizations like the Aces and what the Liberty are doing. Um, Liberty plays at Barclays, right? And like, that shit sells. It sells out. It's, Again, my soapbox. But anyways, it's it's here. It's everyone is here. And I'm just I'm waiting for everyone to come meet us where we already know we are. It's here. It's also a premium product that needs to be treated like a premium product. So to your conversation about like playing in DePaul's arena and I'm thinking about some of the NWSL, like well, one, what Casey's building for their team, what San Diego Wave have built for their team, like mm-hmm. that should be the standard. That needs to be the norm. These women are like best in class, best in the world at what they do. The product is incredible. Everything around what's actually happening on the court or on the pitch should be treated with like care and thoughtfulness and big investment because like, how can you grow the product if you're not literally investing in it? I mean, there's other things we have to grow, the visibility, like accessibility, all of that stuff. But you also have to invest in these facilities, (laughs) in resources Mm -hmm. for these women I mean, it's a lot of that gets negotiated, I know, in the CBA, and there's only so many dollars to be had, and there's, mm-hmm. I, I get it, it's complicated. Um, but but these women deserve to be treated for the sort of premium product that they are. Yesterday's price is not today's price. That's right. Um, I want to, I've kept you for a while, but I still have a couple more questions for you. I want to uh, dip into your own background. I know you were at the Players' Tribune for a while, so that's obviously the sports landscape. But before that, you were at MTV. So how did you move from kind of, and as a TV reporter, I'm obviously very interested in this, but how did you move from general entertainment into sports and now into women's sports? And what kind of did you learn along the way that you're taking with you at Together? Also a great question. I I consider myself a storyteller. I, my dream job when I was growing up was to work at Rolling Stone, to be a music journalist. And that was my first job out of college. And I was like, I peaked. I was 21. I was like, well, this is it. Okay. What am I going to do? It could not be me getting my first dream job, my only dream job out of college. That that did not happen. Anyways, continue. I've I've had some privilege there, yeah, and I and and am immensely grateful for people who actually opened doors so that I could actually achieve that dream at such a young age. But um, I I I see sport and music as prisms for culture, and the stories that I like to tell are human stories. We're just sort of stepping through a particular prism. Um, so while I worked in music for what was it, 12 plus years, I, I never considered, I wasn't thinking only about these people and humans as 
musicians. Like when I was at MTV, I actually didn't work on the linear side. I built a consumer facing brand because called Hive that MTV wanted to build because they wanted to bring music fans back to the brand. Because all you mm-hmm. saw on TV was like Teen Mom and reality. Jersey Shore. And- exactly. And they have this incredible legacy. And that for me, just sort of through my like, growth as a creator and a brand builder and an executive like that was an interesting challenge for me but again I was I just thought about building something that was culturally resonant that people would identify with and relate to and want to be a part of um I got out of well I got out of music I transitioned to I guess capital S sports at the Players Tribune when um in 2014 I remember the Players Tribune was announced and launched and I read a story by I think it was Michael Carter Williams about whether or not the 76ers were tanking and (laughs) I was like 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 sitting and reading this very vividly and it felt like I was sitting next to someone at a bar and they were telling me something that no one else knew it just felt really intimate and real even though I knew there was some curation through first person and I was like wow this is this is um fascinating for me from a storytelling POV because it feels intimate and special and curated. There's something about like the evolution of I in storytelling. I mean, traditional (laughs) journalism, you you take the I out, but like social media completely disrupted that and blew that up. The Mm -hmm. entire community of people, in this case, athletes could be dimensionalized in a way that they hadn't ever been really because they're reduced to like stats and stat lines and performances and they come off an adrenalized performance and then a mic is stuck in their face and they have to answer questions about what happened or what didn't happen or why it didn't happen. Or if you're LeBron, you're getting questions about like international relations with China. And it's just like, <laughs> wait, 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 can we like, these are still like human beings who, you know, have to perform their job in a very visible way. Well, if you're a male athlete, so I was fascinated <laughs> with it. And um, I met the founder, Jamie Musler, and we had a conversation for 10 minutes and she was like, do you want a job? And it was, it's, I think of all sort of the roles that I've had, you know, the privilege to have had throughout my career, the Players Tribune was one of the most formative for me because we got to dimensionalize and humanize, which is a strange word you use for anyone, but these athletes and you got to know them and get on the inside um, Mm -hmm. in a way that I don't think had quite happened in the past. And it led me to together because through the Players Tribune, I built relationships with these incredible women that we all know and all celebrate and all love who just didn't have a dedicated space for them. Sorry, I'm just thinking like that's an incredible story too, just coming and having the storyteller background, right? Like you have that experience. There's a reason you're the chief content officer. There's a reason Alex Morgan called you. And I remember you said um, on the panel that I saw you guys on a couple of weeks ago, you said, well, well, when Alex Morgan calls, you pick up that phone. <laughs> You do. I still do. <laughs> I it's it's so yeah. It's um if you could see the text chains that I have with all these incredible women, it's it's still sort of like surreal to me. But more importantly, outside of like Alex giving me the call, it's um the trust that they have to have not just with me but with everyone who's touching this brand every single day. That's our entire team. That's the people the team around the team. Um. I wake up every day and I don't just think about together. I wake up and I think about Alex. I think about Sue. I think about Simone. I think about Chloe and not just opportunities that can be made available to them. I'm more about who they are and what they care about and how to infuse that into this brand. Every decision that we make is like, is it honoring their vision? Is it honoring them as 
women? Is it honoring them and what they wanted to create in this space? You know, if we make this decision, it doesn't just affect together, it affects each of them individually. So there's also this sort of, I wouldn't call it pressure, there's this massive privilege that I get to wake up and carry sort of every single day and be very thoughtful and intentioned about where we take this because it's theirs. It's not, it's not mine, you know, at the end of the day, it's theirs and it's, it belongs to the incredible women in this community. So yeah, when, when Alex calls (laughs) or texts, you get back to her real fast. Well, Jess, I would also say you are one of those incredible women that you listed because look at what you guys are doing, the brand you're building, the impact you're having. Um, But I do want to ask, you mentioned earlier that you were an athlete growing up. What sport did you play? I played basketball and softball um, starting from the age of four. I don't think there was a time that I didn't have a bat in my hand or a ball dribbling at some point. I was obsessed with the Chicago Bulls because I'm (laughs) from a small town in Kentucky that's almost like directly six hours south of Chicago. So we would get the like WGN, the local station. And I would watch like White Sox games, Cubs games, Bulls games. And I wanted to be Michael Jordan. That was never going to (laughs) happen. But, and then the 96 Olympics happened. I was 13 years old and it was sort of the first time team that, yes. I mean, but all the incredible women's teams in the U S women's teams who dominated that summer, it was in Atlanta the gymnastics team, the softball team, the soccer team, the basketball team, they all won gold. They were made into icons, massive marketing machine icons. Um, this was happening amidst sort of the backdrop of what was, you know, girl power and culture in the mid to late 90s, um, using air quotes around that. <laughs> that's really how we marketed it. It just felt like this incredible moment. And I remember thinking for the first time, oh, I could be an Olympian. I could actually do this for a living. The WNBA was founded on the heels of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was just playing to play because I love to play. But then when I was 13, I was like, oh, if I'm good enough, there's actually a path for me. It was very, very formative. It's incredible to see enough. the impact. <laughs> I wasn't good <laughs> enough. No, Listen, I, I wanted to be a professional horseback rider. I also was not good enough. So. Wow. Okay. No, up until I was like 16, I was like, I can do this. And then I was like, no, let's, let's go to journalism school instead. Okay. Well, I'll um, be interviewing you next time about that. <laughs> um, well, Jess, I've kept you for quite a while, but I have one last question for you. And then I'm going to go let you enjoy Barcelona. Um, but we've talked a lot about kind of the work you've been doing in the space and just the work everyone's been doing and how important media coverage is, but how can other people help? So how can people best be an ally to the women and non-binary people that are working in sports? Oh, wow. It's, um, a long answer to me. It's, um, we've got time, but also simple. Again, there is no neutral. So how can you be an ally? How can you support, um, are you, how, what are your intentions in this space? Are you, you can't take the elevator up if, if you don't send it back down. Like what pipelines of opportunities are you creating? You have to be intentional about the space that you create and who's actually given a seat there um, and understanding sort of these systems that have kept people out. How intentioned are you to disrupt that? Be very, very thoughtful and intentional about that. Understanding that this is a space where it's truly about the collective Like this is a rising tide lifting all boats and understanding that you as an individual have an opportunity to positively impact that. This is challenging decision makers. This is um, sort of challenging people to invest and not 
as a charity or a cause, but just as a good conscious business choice and also the right thing to do. Um, this is understanding for me as a storyteller, how stories can actually change culture. So as a storyteller, like what stories are you centering? How are you centering them? How are you telling them? Where are you telling them? Who are you featuring? Like all of that, all of it to me, um, again, it's a long answer, but to me, it all plays into the same thing, which is, are you for the better? Are you here to move culture forward or are you not? And again, we, you and I are in privileged positions where we wake up every day and we make that conscious choice, but it's not a hard choice to make. It's just the right thing to do. Investing in women's sports is not a charitable cause. It's not a quote, air quote, good thing to do. It's the right thing to do. And it's a smart thing to do. It's good business. Very good business right now. Well, Jess, thank you so much for being here today. I've really enjoyed this conversation Um, and happy birthday. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for listening to Champions of Change, Shattering Ceilings in Sports, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Amanda Sickler, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heal, and edited by Lane McGivney at Outwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, shoot us an email at podcast at adweek.com. 